Yeah, so. Alright, today we are talking about Hellier, which is, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a documentary on Amazon Prime. It was created by Greg and Dana Newkirk, Carl Pfeiffer, and Connor Randall. And it is whack. It is one of the... Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, that's pure. It was... I'm not really sure how to describe it. It wasn't like a regular ghost hunting show. It was like a full dug into like actual documentary about them in Hellier, Kentucky. Yeah, with actual research, like hard research yeah, about not just, everything going on. Exactly. In not just the owner of like a house saying like it's haunted and then like the ghost hunters crew is like, but they just run in. Yeah. No, this was countless probably weeks and weeks of just researching this no i gave it five stars for sure 100 percent. oh it was yeah. on the edge oh the yeah. entire time it was oh yeah it was it was insane um, how, many, how many times you watched it twice twice yeah. twice now yeah oh you're a four oh, look wow. at you look at, look at you okay so let's just jump on in let's do it greg had a website mm-hmm. wasn't on i mean he had it running he stopped he moved to canada that's where dana was from and he kind of checked up maybe once every few months on his email. He decides to check up on it one day. Gets an email from a guy named David Christie. Mm-hmm. David Christie says in this email that he's there's these, there's these goblins coming out of a mine shaft on his property. Terrorizing his family. Banging on the windows, whatnot. He also says in the email that a mutual friend named Terry Rist... See, that's where I lost, like, all interest. I was like, Terry Wrist, really? That's where, I, that's that? where I also... You're talking goblins coming out of a cave in Kentucky, and your name is Terry Wrist? Yeah, Come that's the, because terrorist. But yeah, that's exactly. where I lost interest the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I went back and I watched it all again. Why'd yeah. you go back? Well, I, I was forced to. I, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Ed the producer. So, uh, <laughs> so in the in the documentary, in one of the episodes, I think it's episode one, mm-hmm. maybe it's two, uh... Greg's like, he's like, no, we're get, this is a hoax. I mean, whose name is Terry Wrist? Yeah, I wouldn't believe. I'd be like, well, spam, delete. Okay, so there's a book by Alan Greenfield, and in the back is a uh, conversation mm-hmm. between Alan Greenfield and Terry Wrist. Yep. So there's already a connection. Yep. And that's, this, that's sort of how this progresses for a long time with these weird synchronicities. Like this like yes, crazy, that's. The one word that can describe the entire synchronicities, series. and yep. yeah, throughout the podcast, you'll hear me talk about all these different uh, synchronicities. So the first one is the first synchronicity is between Carl, because the week that Carl met Greg and Dana, mm-hmm. Carl had a friend from Michigan tell him about these little goblin-like things. That same week, he goes and meets Greg and Dana. Yeah, it's synchronicity. So, yeah. So, the the connection, I mean, with Connor in there, he was, I think Connor was one of Carl's friends. I, yeah, I think so. So, they get this group together, and they decide, they're like, they email uh, David Christie back, and they're like, hey, we're coming down, we want to do all this research. Like, right we're, we're doing it, like, this is the start of... Yeah, no yeah. more emails. Exactly. Just stopped. Yeah, cold so turkey. They were they were going initially to investigate... Goblins, right? Like yeah, little yeah. Little green, like cryptid goblins. Exactly, right? like things that you would assume as a goblin. Yeah, and so they went down there the first time, and they stop at the gas station. And this town is 
buried almost. Mm-hmm. There's an overpass being built to where you don't even have to go there. There's no reason to pass through. Exactly. It's an old mining town. Um, so it's like past like abandonment. It's no, just... it, there's people that live there. It's just buried. It's sort of forgotten. Yeah. It's, it's more forgotten. Hate to say it, but yeah. Um, so they go down there the first time, stop at the one gas station in town, mm-hmm. and all these people are like, yeah, you know, we've seen some weird stuff. One guy even said he saw a Bigfoot um, and UFO in the sky. So they're like, wow. They go look for David Christie's house. They think they found it. They go back home. And they go back home and they learn about Hopkinsville. Hopkinsville had a UFO crash. Mm-hmm. There's a family that lived there, 11 people in a farmhouse. Uh, last name was Sutton, I believe. Um, <clears throat> they actually shot at one of these goblin-like things on their property. And I think Greg actually came in contact with one of the relatives or... Was it the relative or just a surviving member of the family? Surviving member of the family, yeah. And they don't like to talk about it because they got made fun of. But she still tries to get the story out and let people know. Mm -hmm. The connection between Hopkinsville and Hellier is nothing you can see on the outside at all. Mm-hmm. There's an underground cave system that runs from Hopkinsville to Hellier. So before any of this even happens, Greg and Dana are on Brown Mountain, where they say is an entrance to an alien fortress or... Uh, well, they thought it could have been an underground military base. Yeah, something. I mean, just it's all speculation. Yeah, yeah, speculation. But they couldn't get in because there was a giant rock mm-hmm. blocking the entrance. And they didn't say it was like fit perfectly, but it looked like it was just somebody like a big had, rock. Yeah, somebody yeah. had placed it there. And the whole thing about the mountain is really weird as well because, like, the dude they were with invited them to come. If I'm, if correct me if I'm wrong, but he invited them to come because a psychic. Yeah. Told him that was there. And that there would be, like, two pillars. Mm-hmm. And then they found, like, that exact spot. And the entrance, like, back into the cave is just blocked by this giant boulder. Which yeah. seems yeah. crazy weird. So, <clears throat> after that, they, uh, they start doing all this stuff with Hellier. That same underground mine, the uh, cave system, runs to Brown Mountain. Whack. Yeah, it is. It's weird how it goes from like town, I mean, you can look town up... mountain, and it's like paranormal, paranormal life. And I think unexplained the, after that, like the important thing about all these things is how seemingly unrelated they were in the initially. Yeah. Like these things didn't start lining up until they were. Because um, what got them? Do you remember what got them to actually like the the, the evidence that they were like, we're going, we got to check this out. It was the footprints. Yeah, the footprints. So the email from David Christie included pictures of footprints. They were uh, three-toed. They had... They they had dermal ridges. Like, uh, they're very similar to, like, what you would think of as, like, a big footprint. Only they were really small. They were, like, half the size of a normal human. 
they only had three toes, and you could see like the dermal ridges, which are like a you know your handprint on your foot. Mm-hmm. You could see where like the foot had had bent. Yeah, where as it's like, it was walking, where it roll over basically. Yeah. So the other thing about this underground cave system is it goes through most of Kentucky because this is where Hopkinsville is where Hellier is. It goes through most of Kentucky, and I think uh, Brown Mountain was South Carolina. Uh, let's look it up. I don't. I don't quite remember. I'll, I'll Google it. Yeah. But I do want to say I want to interject here too. I. I don't think I'm going to post any of the photos because this is their stuff and they did a documentary. Yeah. yeah they went yeah. through. They went if through all the hard work the, for If you want to see the photos, just go watch. Them yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to jack them. Uh, go. Go visit their wells. Their website, hellier.tv, or mm-hmm. watch on Amazon Prime. Support them. Because they did a lot of work to like make this yeah, amazing this documentary, time, and, and then and we don't want to talk about it, and then just ruin all their stuff that they've. Spent countless days doing. So anyway, on their on their during their trip or on their way down there, mm-hmm. um, I think it was Carl decides to listen to an audio book by John Keel. And in this, who's John Keel? John Keel is the man who wrote the Mothman prophecy. So if you listen to the last podcast, I told you we'd be getting into Mothman a little bit more. Yeah, Mothman comes up quite a bit. These ties are unreal. So, starts listening to that, and I, he pulled, uh, or actually, Connor had given him his book back by John Keel. And he says in the book, a window op- or a door closes, a window opens. Mm-hmm. Things come in and out of those windows. So, like, aliens don't come from space, they come from different dimensions in the windows of the Earth. Exactly. Um, John Keel investigated a lot of stuff. He got letters from. He, I mean, they were they didn't have postmarks. They sometimes just showed up in his uh, in his mailbox, and they were from a group called the International Bankers. And in all of these letters, they were descriptive about what he was doing, and they all said. Stop exactly. immediately what yeah. you're doing. <clears throat> so that's where it ties in to the Mothman. But, um, so this guy, Terry Wrist, and the whole thing, he is telling, he's saying that he was a, uh, a soldier in Vietnam, and his mission was to go into these caves, throw a couple grenades, and clear them out. And these caves had, Aliens in them. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets back, or they get there, so they're in Hellier. Well, okay, they're, were, were they aliens, or what is that what he described them as? That's what he said, too. But they were, the description he were very similar to the, the goblins, right? Like the, the yeah. description that he gave, he called them sloughs. Yeah, sloughs. Um, short, little, ugly fuckers, yeah, right? Exactly. But they, uh, they're very similar to these goblins, which is where this all doesn't make starts getting weird because the, the Terry Wrist was supposedly a mutual friend, and then it's in this book, and they're talking about aliens that look like these goblins, and yeah, right. So that that's that's how all this starts tying together, right? Well, we totally forgot the part where when they were at Brown Mountain and they left, they got an email from Terry Wrist that said, "Why did you stop?" Um. And in the, I guess in the other, like the letters from the international bankers, 
they said to stop. So this one was like, why did you stop? Yeah, like, they were, like, telling a whole nother guy who was, like, explaining, was like, hey, cut it out. And then they were, then they were just like, hey, don't cut it out. Like, it's just so bipolar, like, bouncing back and forth, really. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they got the ink and black email. So on the way down, Carl used the cipher, which if you want to learn more about the cipher, check out the documentary. They used the cipher to reveal that ink and black equaled 112, or 112. In that email, they had 16 numbers given to them, and they thought at first it was somebody's credit card information, debit card information, you remember that? Um, Somebody was like, no, dude, those are GPS coordinates. So they plugged the GPS coordinates in, and it's within like four miles of the exact spot that they were in on Brown Mountain. Mm-hmm. It's just so like synchronicity, basically. And nobody it's knew so that they weird. were there. Yeah, because yeah. like they were like so like broken down into the email. Yeah, there like, was almost like an afterthought because didn't it say like use the numbers in that like weird script? Like, I think so. Like follow the numbers or something. follow the numbers. And they were the just numbers. like follow what numbers, and they were just like breaking it down and like I don't know like the lowercase l would look like a 1 and they were just like that's a 1 and they're like that's an l and then they would break it down like the spacing would be difference between like the l's and the 1's and everything so that was pretty whack yeah. actually so they're discovering hellier they're talking they're, I mean they're driving around mm-hmm. um, they're talking to some locals I mean nobody's really talking to them they're out of town they talk to they stop and talk to these one guys I remember almost perfectly and they were like is it David Christie ever lived here you know blah 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 he's like no never heard the name and they've lived there their whole lives they do say that over I think it was a couple miles from their house off a road was a cave and they heard babies crying or a baby crying mm-hmm. which is really weird um didn't they say that they thought like the the baby crying was like something was trying to, like, lead them in. Yeah, like, and that it was, was, like, trying to, like, pull them in. Like, I think, I think Greg even mentions, like, uh, like, fairies. Mm-hmm. Like, trying to, like, they, I guess they felt, or it seemed like what I was watching, and I don't know about you guys, but it seemed like when I was watching that, like, if it were me and I was in their shoes at this point, I would have felt like someone's trying to get me into a cave for some reason. Exactly. Isn't that, I mean, it, it, I don't know what it was like, something in distress. Like, even with just, like, nature in general with like animals when you go like coyote hunting and you put a rabbit in distress it like brings it in it's just it's a lure basically so here's like, that's where, where i like caught to it i was like something wants you in there so it can like almost keep you in there something like that yeah, yeah. i mean it's so they're in hellier and i think they started talking to a guy who mentioned Woodrow Derenberger. And this guy says that he was on his way home, mm-hmm. just cruising. A UFO flies over and runs him off the road. Somebody gets out of the UFO, comes over, and is like, relax, you're not in any danger, we mean you no harm. Uh, just one guy. And he says, what are you called? And the alien or whatever says cold ingrid cold 
Yeah. And that, that ties back to the Mothman, right? Injured Cold was part of the whole Mothman. Injured Cold, and I'll get into that in a second. Um, so, you know, Carl starts reading the cipher. The 1112 is the ink in black. Um, the, the cipher links to the Mothman. Because that's, that's where the cipher originated yeah. from, right? Injured Cold is a location in the cipher. And I think it's where Woodrow Derenberger and Indrid Cold met, or first met. Yeah. Um, Synchronicity. Yeah. Exactly. Like, this whole entire documentary was just synchronicity, just left, right, up and down. And like, if you're if you're confused at this point, you are following along perfectly, because this is what has got us watching this show... Repeatedly, yes. This is why I had to watch it a whole second time. Like I watched like the whole first season, and I was like, "What I, the hell just happened?" So I had to rewatch it and actually like break down every little single thing. Right? I, like it's, I can't one, just like it's it's a it's a I don't know how to describe it. it's a it's a trip. Yeah, it is. It's why we I was so adamant. Like we have like I watched it. I started watching it, and I was like, uh, sort of bored. Mm-hmm. Didn't really understand what was going on on the first episode, and then. All of a sudden, I think it's maybe 15, 20 minutes into the first episode, they kind of hook you with, like, all these things that were kind of boring and unrelated and you didn't really understand what was going on. They start lining up in really bizarre ways that we can't even begin to touch with it. I mean, that's why they made a, what, 18-part documentary on it. We can't touch it with a podcast. But uh, go on, Ryan. Go go on with your recap. So uh, that interview with Alan Greenfield and Terry Rist. Terry says he met Indrid, um, and Indrid tells him that he was invited to Earth to take refuge from the Third Order. Whack. Uh, the Third Order is humans, post-humans, that are advanced mm-hmm. enough to qualify to represent Earth to a higher government. That's Which, if insane. you think about it, yeah. makes a lot of sense. So it's like your Team USA of the NBA, just for Earth, basically. You're the you're yeah you're the representative. Yeah, of like the you are, yeah you're basically like an ambassador to yeah. a country, only yeah. for the whole planet. Exactly, exactly. Um, and Terry Rist says that Mothman was a distress beacon that failed. Mm-hmm. So is that like? You think that means like a like a distress beacon for the planet Earth or for a, like? I think it was a distress beacon. Like, hey, I need to be out of here. Yeah. Oh, like he, he was, was trying. Like he was. He like, was trying to get out of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was like uh, trapped, and everyone's like. Mm. And he's. I mean, he's isolated, mm-hmm. and the third order. The third order is just MIA. They're not making. Right, because didn't one of the didn't one of the letters say that specifically? Like. Yeah. The third order is MIA. Exactly. So so you think that that this whole the whole Mothman thing was like the Mothman is an alien that was trying to get home, like E. T. phone home style, and he, he so he collapsed the bridge to try to get someone's attention? Is that what I, there's I'm 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 sure there's different theories. I think I like the theory that I said in the last podcast that he was trying to warn them because he used his time he created maybe the Mothman, but also like, hey, this is gonna happen. Let's uh, I'm gonna try to get you to realize what's about to happen. 
you yeah, need to do something like, about it, you know? Like your flare gun. Like you're shooting like, hey. Yeah, like except warning, into people's dreams. Exactly. Like, almost like when you're most vulnerable, really. Like when you're like most believable, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I don't know. If you really want to like get into, like, I don't know. If you really want to get into someone's head, you got to go after the dreams. Exactly. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street, that's how Freddy Krueger got away with everything. <laughs> like, you know, just not but really yeah, tying I mean, into anything, but The still. idea is that, like, he... So, so Ryan, what you're saying is you think that the Mothman was like, if I cause enough people to see that something weird's going on, people are going to start noticing. The Third Order will notice, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... The crew gets to Hellier for a second time. And they're like, well, the first time went great. You know, they talked to some locals, whatever. Because wasn't everybody, it was like super nice the first time they showed up, like all talkative. They get there. Oh yeah, welcome welcome to Hellier, Kentucky. It's a decent town and everything. Well, it wasn't that nice, but you get the register. So they get there again and uh, they go into the same grocery store, or the grocery store slash pizza place slash gas station. Nobody knows a thing. This is two, three years later. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows a thing. Nothing weird's going on. They just... just some guy comes up to the car and it's like, you gotta watch out who you trust. Mm-hmm. You know, just like they're, they're everyone just, got brainwashed, basically. Yeah. So they go looking for David's house again. They can't find it. Um, they call the police, the sheriff's office, mm-hmm. to try to get some records, see when he might have moved. Does They don't even answer. Exactly, and they called him like over and over and over, yeah. and it was just like getting sent to. Who voicemail. else did they call? And how remember? how weird is that that like you call a police station and, and no one didn't they call like multiple departments? Yeah, and, and like nobody like would call them. Back. Counties too. The the news station wouldn't help them, and the news station had run that had run a report on aliens in the area, yeah. and still wouldn't. Exactly. I was like totally disinterested. So like, I, I, I'm an idiot. I totally. The second time was when they ran into the guys that were like, "Oh, we we heard the baby crying in the cave." Right. That was the second time. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the first time. Um, so they stay in a motel. They go searching public records buildings from towns over. You know, they go like two, three courthouses. Nothing. There's no, no proof no that this David, David Christie. Christie owned any land. Yeah, and. Um, they're like, well, they're thinking, what the hell? Yeah, basically. like this guy is like basically a fraud, yeah, more or less. So they go to this cabin. Mm-hmm. They do some rituals outside. Weird stuff starts happening in the woods, like branches being thrown. It's like really like oddball, like things. Yeah, really, like nothing was really like appearing, but like things were happening. It felt like, like foot, like footsteps were like behind him. Like you could hear like. The leaves and like a stick breaking, and like they would like turn and be like, "What was that?" And it would be like behind them again. I don't it was remember like bouncing around yeah. everyone. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, "It feels like something's watching us." Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is they go back to the front porch, and they put Connor. It's called the Estes method. Yep. They put Connor in a chair with noise canceling headphones. Um, and they're hooked up to a spirit box, mm-hmm. which if you don't know what a spirit box is, uh, listen to our first podcast. Um, and they put a blindfold on them. So you have no... You have no outside stuff, like, influencing your hearing abilities, yeah, basically. You, yeah. yeah. Um, 
the whole point is to ask a question and get a response through Connor. Mm-hmm. And right. they are having conversations with some. Yeah, not typical, like, little one-word things. It was like, I don't know, it just got, like, really quiet. And then Connor, I don't know, it was like, Kaya, they were like, what? what? He was like, there. They were, like, pointing. It was like, no, there. Like, they kept, like, pointing and pointing until it said, right there. Mm-hmm. And then, sure enough, a coyote was right there. Like, it was, you could basically know that it was right where it was pointing to. Yeah. But um, it was an intelligent conversation. So one of the things that happened during this is Connor got an image randomly popped into his head mm-hmm. of just a tin can. Just It was a tin can. The weirdest thing. No I, labels. I didn't think anything of it. When when he said tin can, when you're watching the show and then he says, I just got, I have like an image of a tin can. It's so, it's such a throwaway sort of like image. Like, like well, that's really. stupid. You could tell that they had that in the recycle bin mm-hmm. until what I get to happens. Yes. Well, this was, this was whenever I was like, holy shit. So like. they're back in Hellier. They're doing some things. They meet this guy named Joey. And Joey is, like, fascinated with caves. He goes, uh, cave client. I, I don't even know what you call it. Exploring? Exploring, like cave, yeah, cave, cave exploring. Cave hunting. Uh, Joey says that they're... It is called spelunking? Oh, spelunking. Wait, that was, like, underwater caves. No, that's spelunking. That's when you're, like, a cave hiker. Oh, well, I'm just an idiot. Oh. Or I'm so, an idiot, and I'm told that one of us is an idiot, and one of us is correct. Okay. So, <laughs> um, we'll figure out later. So... Joey says that he went up to a cave, or his friend did, and saw Chief Cornstalk, which Chief Cornstalk is part of the Mothman theory. Yep. Another synchronicity. Spelunking. Spelunking is, in fact, exploring caves. Okay. Shadow Ed, the producer. So, um, Joey says he found a three-toed footprint in the cave. Mm-hmm. He had the uni- local university look at it, and they were like, oh, it, it goes back prehistoric. We don't know exactly what made it. Mm-hmm. We can't really tell. They get coordinates from Joey to go to a cave. Yeah, rewind just for a second. Do you think the university was, like, hiding something? Saying no, I it was like that... saying it was prehistoric because they didn't want to like admit anything. No, I think they just really didn't know. It was just undiscovered. I think a lot of times too they they blow those things off like like oh it's a Bigfoot hunter. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like like, it could, oh, they're just like you could tell them anything they'll go away. Such a small community though, uh, even the surrounding towns, you could mm-hmm. be like, no, 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 I don't trust it. So they're back. Uh, they get the coordinates. The cave. They're back at the cabin, and they get a call from Tyler Strand, which this is the first time, I think it's episode four, that Tyler Strand comes into play. Yeah, it was. He is, when they get the phone call, Tyler is actually at the Mothman Festival, and he meets a guy who had taken all these books about Mothman theories and all this and put them together into one, like, 90-some page book. Um... And Tyler says he got a number from that guy to another guy. 
that guy had information about Mothman or something like that uh, mm-hmm. that tied into whatever they were doing, what Greg and Dana and Connor and Carl were doing. He says, as soon as I was, I just got a random thought to call this guy. I called him just right then and there after I got done from the gym. And he picks up immediately. And he says, man, I was just about to call you. If you wouldn't have called me, I was about 10 seconds away. I was looking through my contacts to call you. That's ridiculous. Synchronicity. Synchronicity right there. That's like the word of the day. Yeah. Well, because right. it happens. Right. It, it happens. It happens to these enough. guys. That's why they, they made this documentary. Because these things, like, there's coincidences in the world. Yeah. And then there's like, okay, how many coincidences before you got to start being like, there's a reason this is happening. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so another synchronicity. Their friend, I think it's Carl's friend. Or no, it's, uh, it's uh, Greg's friend. John Tenney. Tells... Oh, I already said that. Yeah. Uh, tells Carl about the uh, the goblins. Yeah, he like tells that. him in a, another state and everything. Before they met yeah. Greg, and then he meets Greg. Joey gave them a number to a retired teacher. His name was Jack. They called Jack, and Jack's telling them all the things, you know, like he's seen a track, describes it in sort of a similar way. Smaller, though. Um he also says that Hellier used to be like a really prosperous town, had money because all the mines were, you know, hitting good, mm-hmm. had like a movie theater and all this. And then when they ran dry, they just, everybody everything packed just, up. Everything just started knocking out one by one. Yeah. And then, so towards the end of the phone call, he's like, oh, uh, Greg's like, have you ever seen like any UFOs or anything? And he's like, yeah, used to see him like once a week. That's, here's where here's yeah. where it gets weird. He and says, "What's so crazy about all of these are though? Speaking of the UFOs, it's like all of the people that they talked to initially were just like, yeah, no, nothing strange really goes on around here.' And then they'd be like, oh, okay, well, I don't know why we have your number.' And then be like, anything else come to mind? Or you ever seen any UFOs or anything? And they'd be like, oh yeah, we see UFOs all the time. Like, yeah, like it's to these people seeing a UFO is not something that they considered strange. They were." So such a common occurrence. Yeah. I get so regular that you're just like, okay. So this guy says he's seen him once, twice a week, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. And then says, they, I, I stopped seeing them two to three years ago. Two to three years ago. That's around the same time that David Christie stopped replying. And that's the time that they first got into this investigation. Yeah, so suddenly everything just starts like... All the activity. Falling into place. Because all it, it's like... During this whole thing, I th- they're like, they get something, roadblock. Yep. They get something else to go a different way, roadblock. It's just, I mean, the whole time. So they get this information, they're like, wow, you know. Um, all of the activity stopped when they started going to it. Like they, yeah. And then it just started, you know, like I said. So they're sitting in the cabin after that, and they're like, Greg is like, well, this email had to come from somewhere. It's got an IP address. They trace that. It hits three different spots. One was... On, wait, California. One was... The other was, like, Ajax, Can- uh, Canada. And there was another spot somewhere yeah. uh, in the U.S. Maybe Seattle or something like that. I thought this was a really key point because they're like, this is a hoax. 
Exactly. They're just like David Christie made up name. They he did all this work mm-hmm. just because he heard a story about Hellier, Kentucky, and then he sent us an email. They also David Christie was a doctor. Mm-hmm. Whether that's professor or a doctor, if he was using that email, it would be ran through a proxy server, which would hide your IP address. So that's one thing they thought. Another is that he's just a regular guy is using a proxy server, mm-hmm. or the real David Christie was using a proxy server. You can't, I mean, you can't be like yes, and you can't be like no. Like they exactly. just don't know at this point. Like they don't want to like assume this whole investigation and just miss out on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted it to jump into like the the ping pong ball session. Yeah, let's get to that. Those coordinates from Joey go to an old, like, train tunnel. Mm-hmm. And um, they get in there, they decide not to do the Estes method, they do something else. Yep. And that's what that is. And that's when they cut a ping pong ball in half. They put each half on each of their eyes, put the sound-canceling headphones on, mm-hmm. and then it's supposed to, like, make you, like, see things super, super vivid and almost, like, hear things and I don't know they didn't really have like all this next gen equipment they did like the most simple most basic but got the most evidence out of like any investigation yeah. to literally ever be recorded in general like Ghost Adventures crew spends probably thousands and thousands of dollars on this and then the Hell Your crew spent hundred dollars I mean, on this they, equipment I'm sure and they, they spent a lot of money but the crazy thing is, is when they got to that cave, they found a tin can. Yep. Sitting right there in the middle of it. Then rewind earlier. Yeah, yeah. The Connor method, got the... When he had his same basic method, and then the only thing he saw was a tin can, and it's right there. Yeah, so during that, that experiment, what it does, it, it's sensory deprivation. Mm-hmm. So you can't be influenced by anything. You don't... I mean, you don't know what's going on. You just get these images, and uh, you start hearing things. So I have a thing right here. Um, Greg was actually doing that. He says he hears people, like, cheering, almost like he's at a sporting event or something. Um, And somebody asks, are you excited that we are here? And he sees a building. And um, they say, send impressions. You can send them through Greg. What are you? And Greg says that he starts seeing trees pass, uh, like he's looking out of a window of a moving vehicle, and suddenly he goes into a tunnel. Yep. The old train tunnel. That's synchronicity right there. It all, like, happened for a legitimate reason. Well, then they're sitting there uh, doing this experiment. It gets real quiet, and you just hear... I mean, you can hear it in the video. Guys. Yeah. They all just, like, stopped. And they were like... They just... Carl was like, did you hear that? Yeah. They were just like, what the hell was that? Because they were at one, like, pile of rubble. And there was a whole nother, like, mound. I don't know how far back. Maybe, like... 20, 30 feet? Yeah. And, I mean, you're in a dark cave. Like, you can't just, like, see. But they were just like... Whatever it was, was, like, so powerful that they could, like, feel it watching them. Mm -hmm. Like, it was such, like, a heavy presence that they were like... Something's here. Yeah. So, 
after that, Greg starts seeing these blue eyes, and he gets, like, really, really cold. They hear a car beep. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the car was, like, locking. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And we'll... That'll make more sense once we get to the yep. end. Um, Greg then sees himself laying on the ground, looking up at trees. And something is, like, looking over him. He doesn't know what. There's lights flashing in the background, like, uh, behind the trees. And he's, like, he's like getting real scared. He's, like, in the, you know, he's scared. And then all okay. of a sudden, the downloaded file of this white noise that's being played through the headphones... Buffers. buffers, yeah, like it's a downloaded like track basically, and it buffers. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know that doesn't make. It makes any zero sense. sense. So yeah, uh... but I think like the best part about that whole time that they were in the cave was when they kept like asking us like, "Are you here? Like, can you hear us? We're not going to harm you or anything." And, like, everything just kind of, like, gets quiet mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they're, like, kind of talking. And a concrete slab moves. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just, like, a rock where it's, like, real lightweight. It was, like, you could hear the weight in it, like, sliding. Mm-hmm. The so, actual, yeah. Yeah. So it was, like, if you've ever dealt with, like, actual slabs of concrete, it's not easy to just move. And, yeah, that was, that's, like, when my jaw dropped and I was, like... Nice. Because even if, I mean, just that crew, you're not, you, you, with two guys, you couldn't pick up one of those concrete no. slabs. Mm-mm. There's no way. So they get back to the cabin, and they call John Tinney. Mm-hmm. John Kinney brings up John Keel. He's talking about um, these investigators that investigate John Keel. They investigate Mothman. They investigate, you know, pretty much what they're doing. These investigators are getting put into, like, pulled into these rabbit holes Mm -hmm. and committing suicide. Yeah, like, it wasn't, like, an okay thing after that. Like, it was so much stuff was going on that they were just, like, a last resort kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So John Tinney says something is, like, not pulling him in but pushing him away from his investigation. Mm -hmm. And he, he, like, can't stay focused on it. Just weird stuff going on. So, Connor starts reading a book. It's, uh, it's a bunch of, like, different articles and whatnot. And John Keel says, It's frequently reported to hear car door or a beep and babies crying when dealing with that. Yep. That kind of stuff. Synchronicity. The synchronicities of it. Like, they literally could have called that entire series, like, the synchronicity files. Mm-hmm. And it would have made the same amount of sense. But well, that was... I'll give it, like, a 50 out of 5 stars. Like, yeah. I would highly, highly recommend it. And it's not just a watch it once and just be like, oh, that was good. No. Rewatch it. I, I've watched it twice, and I guarantee you if I watched it again, I still wouldn't... I would I would pick up new things. It's, yeah, it's so hard to just but, wrap your head. And that's, go, why, that's why we don't have to feel so bad about talking about it like this and, like, going through the whole thing, because there's no way... That you understand what's going on based on our little... Uh, just us talking just, about this. Yeah. Uh, what's going on. Like, it, you have to go watch it. It is it is mesmerizing, to say the least. Yeah. Yes. So oh, they yeah. go back over um, some parts in the last episode. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about all the things. 
And while they're doing this, Greg gets an email. Guess who? No activity. Greg gets an email. I'm not going to say who it is. Got to come back. But he got another email. Yeah, and that email, we won't give it away because go watch the show. But you have to. It, it's one of those things where like the whole the whole show you're watching, and you're like, what's next, what's next, what's next? And then, boom, right at the end, you're like, we're right back where we freaking started. And it, it's time-stamped. Yeah. I mean, these are just actual synchronicities. Everything that happened can be is time-stamped. Yeah, it's like... This happened. So it's not like, like they were just like, okay, we need a cliffhanger for the end. Yeah, no, it was like they did this entire investigation, and then at the very end, hey, by the way. Yeah, and they I, just happened I, to get an email. I definitely yeah. didn't get the feel that they did like clever editing to raise tensions. Like You really get the feel that it was done properly. It was done in order. It was yeah. done uh, sincerely. And, and and you're getting everything without you know like the whole no falsif- falsification of information mm-hmm. right it's just this is this is what happened in the order that it happened exactly and because they didn't even want to do it I mean they didn't something led them to Brown Mountain and then it just started taking off from there exactly it basically just like took their hand and like led them so it does it does sort of beg the question though. Once a few of these coincidences started happening, like, do you think, were they just hypersensitive to looking and starting to connect dots that weren't really there? Or is this legitimately something paranormal directing them down a path that they can't see? See, I thought the same thing. I thought maybe they're just, their eyes are so wide open, they're picking up the smallest things and making these connections. But for Tyler Strand, a friend of theirs... John Tenney, a friend of theirs, in different parts of the United States, all of a sudden, when they start getting into this investigation, stuff starts happening to them that are making actual connections. Mm-hmm. So you so, think, so So what you're saying is, is you think that, like, this is, they're actually being led down yeah, a path by, by something. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, they, like, kind of reached a little bit far to connect the dots. But it was worth the reach. Like, they got it. I don't even think... It was like... It literally connected so much into just, like, a perfect circuit. It seemed like some of their reaches at first were really far. Mm -hmm. And, like, ah, it's kind of a stretch. And then the more you go, you're like, oh, well, that fills in. Yeah, There was this... We went from A to C, and then B comes later. yeah, Yeah. And B takes you to D. Yeah. So, without... I mean... Really we will do we'll it, do a like, whole nother part on on season two, yeah. and it will answer all of your questions, and it'll make a lot of sense. But go watch the show. Yeah, or you can answer your own questions and get Amazon Prime if to you, watch it. If you can't tell, the reason the purpose behind this show is because I watched it, and I was like harassing Kate and Ryan to watch it. Like we get forced to do a lot of daily, things. daily harassment of. Like, you gotta watch this show, you gotta watch this show. And then they got excited about it, and now we're just, like, three little fanboys sitting around. And we want to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we we had our own little, like, run-in with this whole whole thing. Uh, you can see it on Twitter, it's not really that big of a deal we're talking about, but where we were 
we happened across Dana Newkirk and Greg Newkirk and, and just our normal podcast doings. But, yeah. Do we want to close it out here? Yep. Alrighty. Well, shout out to 312 Street Marketing for doing all of our video and audio editing. Um, shout out to Zoe. She knows why. And then if you have any further questions, comments, or anything, you can email me at Kate at the Cryptic World, Ryan at the Cryptic World, or Ed the Producer at the Cryptic World. Then we'll see you later. Later, skater.